Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Gian, I am so excited for our interview today. Uh, just excited to share it. It's with Kevin Washington. He's currently the Director of Player Development at the University of Texas. Uh, before that, he served on uh, as a chaplain at the University of Houston, and Tom Herman, when he got the job at Texas, uh, had powerful words to say that, that Kevin is so important to their success that he wanted him to come and help him continue to build that program at, at Texas. Um, you can really hear that he has a, a minister's heart, a pastor's heart. He cares for the people around him and so many nuggets of wisdom. I think the coaches are really going to benefit. You know, we're, we're centering on sharing these podcasts to coaches and most of our interviews are going to be with coaches. But every once in a while, we want an outside voice. And Kevin was a, a tremendous um, guest here on our show. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, and even coaches, if you're listening to it and you need some marital advice, Kevin shares some of his, uh, his ideas about it. And coach, can't wait for you to hear that and more coming up right now. Kevin Washington, we are so honored and privileged to have you on the Christian Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for making time for us. And, and you know, a couple of weeks ago when I first put this up on Twitter, asking who should be uh, on this podcast, your name came up uh, three out of the first seven times. And so we're thankful that, that you're here. And I just want to throw it right to you and hear what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, honored to, uh, to be thought of by other believers. And for me, what it means to be a Christian coach is to emulate and stimulate Christ in others. Um, and so we are to emulate um, as coaches. We are to emulate him to be as Christ-like as possible in the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we act and lead and love, but then also to stimulate that in players. Like we are to stimulate uh, the growth of Christ-likeness in all of our players. And to me, that's what exactly it means to be a Christian coach is personally emulating and then with our opportunity stimulating uh, Christ in our players and in the athletes that we get the uh, opportunity to work with. Now, when you look back on your college career, you know, you're playing there at Notre Dame and then able to go on to Abilene Christian to do your master's. Do you see one big lesson that God was teaching you to prepare you for what you're doing today at the University of Texas? Yeah, man. Uh, for me, I would say <laughs> he was teaching me to be a Christian because I wasn't when I went up to Notre Dame. Uh, I think I got saved. At, I believe I got saved at Notre Dame. Uh, pastors kept sharing the gospel with me, uh, showing me the love of Christ and, you know, just calling out truth in my life. And as that was happening, Colossians 3.23 played a really big part in my life where he says, whatever you do, uh, do wholeheartedly for the Lord and not for man. And it was as clear as day that I had to wrestle with this question of, are you doing things and pursuing me or the things that I can give you? Um, and that's what I think really helped me out because even as you are working with uh, coaches and as you're working with athletes, the question is, are you pursuing God and God in their lives? Or are you pursuing the benefit, the fruit? Because it's not even really on me for producing a fruit. So I gotta be faithful to pursuing God and godliness more so than even the fruit of the result that we see from those we work with because we're not going to always see the fruit that we want so we got to be ready and able and willing to continue to be faithful regardless of what we see because we're pursuing christ um, not the things that he gives and you are you're a talented guy i'm sure you had a lot of options before you um, but after you graduated there at acu did you have a clear uh, calling or direction as far as your career path 
Yeah, no, <laughs> no uh, career path whatsoever. I just know that there was um, a passion in God's providence provided that purpose, provided opportunity. And I remember as I was playing at ACU, getting ready to come to the end of career, I was talking to a couple of scouts that were coming through practices here and there. Um, and my coach just sat me down and said, hey, do you want to play in the NFL? And I was like, absolutely. I want to go and share about Christ. And I want to, you know, be a witness to him. And I want to be an example. And he said, well, then you shouldn't go to the NFL. It shocked me. I'm like, you're not supposed to say that to me. Like, I'm supposed to be like, yeah, get after it. But he says, no, nah, man, if the main thing you want to do is talk about it and share Christ, then go do that. And God will provide you whatever platform you need. Like, you go to the NFL because you want to play football. But if that's not what you want to do, then go do something different. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, got all kinds of different degrees and names. And because I wasn't 100% sure, um, great experiences, but it wasn't towards that. And then luckily with that passion, God provided the opportunity and turned that into a calling. And it looks like you spent about five years there as a chaplain uh, in Houston. And um, I'm sure you got a lot of reps in and standing before a group of people to share God's word. Um, can you give any pointers? I'm just thinking about the coach out there that maybe he's asked to go speak at an FCA. Um, what, what would you say to him to prepare and, and what should he be focusing on as he speaks? Yeah, absolutely. I would just say the connection piece is going to be one that's really, really big. Um, as you get ready to go and speak, know who your audience is, know who you're talking to. You got to be able to connect. But before we do any of that, we got to pray. Before we do any of that, um, we have to know who we're going to serve. And it's mainly God, not who he goes to send us to. And as we understand that and we pray for God's help, we know that his word is going to come out. And we've got that cheat code <laughs> where we already know like God's going to do work because I've been praying. He says his word is not going to return void. We know that he's sovereign. So I go out there with that confidence first and then I look for that connection piece. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I connect with my audience? How do I do that? So I know what they're going through so they can connect with me. I can connect with them, get that relational piece, but then also connecting what they're doing and going through in the Bible. That's what we see Jesus doing all the time. Jesus connecting where they are, who they are. I mean, he came in to connect, he put on flesh. So he connected with them personally, but he connected with whether that be, you know, agriculture, whether that be building, whether that be with the Pharisees, the government around them, he connected everything that he was teaching with where they were and what they were going through. So uh, look for those really simple points of connection because they're definitely there and they help whenever we're getting ready to speak to people about the word. And as you talk about connecting with audiences, um, as I'm doing my research on you, trying to, to learn more about you, I, I see on Twitter, I see on Instagram that you do a fantastic job on, on there. Your, your social media game is strong. And I just wanted to ask what, uh, what caused you to want to enter that arena to be sharing the quotes, the messages and the videos? Yeah, man. One was my wife, Jordan, told me to start writing stuff down and getting things out. <laughs> She's like, man, when you are gone and no one can hear anymore, like a lot of that stuff will be gone with you. And so you need to put some stuff out there in case it can help other people in case someone else is blessed by that. But it's also just part of how people are you know, getting information out, how you can spread the word. And so it's a vehicle that we're able to use. It's a way that we can continue to spread the message of the gospel. And as all will probably admit, social media is a place that needs the gospel. <laughs> um, so got to be careful with it. But I think that's what got me into the social media aspect was being able to say, how can I get this message out? What's the most conducive way to do it um, that doesn't compromise anything that I believe and hold to, but then also is effective in getting that message to different audiences and viewers, whether that be 500 people or five. And do you think it's something that every coach should be on? Because if, if I'm being honest, it's like, man, I would rather not utilize my time on social media. Um, and I know just um, that there's a lot of 
uh, technology addiction and, and it really changes your mind and makes you focus on that. But um, can you just talk into that on, do you think every, every coach should be active on it? Man, I, I, I think that definitely coaches should first and foremost be aware of their own convictions, their own temperament. And like you said, social media affects people differently in different places. So we need to understand how that affects each coach and whether or not they should be on there. But I think all things being equal, uh, there not being any huge reasons not to, I think coaches should be on social media, uh, not necessarily, you know, put out a whole lot of content and necessarily have to do that. But it's just a really good place to see what your players are getting, you know, what are they listening to? What are they seeing? What is current right now? I mean, when you hear that, you'll actually know what those conversations are about. It's helped me out with conversations where I've said, Hey, man, I saw this trending what's going on they're like what and you get this whole conversation because they got these thoughts and opinions you learn how they're thinking what's encouraging their thinking or what's shaping their thinking so i think it's really important to get on social media just to see what they're doing and then on the mental health piece sometimes athletes will post things that they won't say one-on-one -on -one, and that's really helpful to get to know our players and know what are they dealing with what are they going through they may post something and just like man i feel like nobody cares and, you know, you call them up and be like, yo, you could have just texted me. You could have called me, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. So instead, they'll post it. But that's just a really good opportunity to say, hey, how can I love on you better? How can I know what's going on in your life is to be on social media to be helpful. So I think um, once those things are in control and you're safe with it, you know what are the boundaries that you put up there. I think it's really important. Um, you know, my wife and I kind of put our own boundaries up where, like, hey, no social media um, before we get our word in, get a workout in, do all that. Like we do everything first and then we'll get to social media. Um, and even for now, it's get on there, check my guys, see what's going on, uh, you know, see if there's anything that I need to be aware of news wise. Um, but other than that, it's like, it's post and get out. Like I don't need to be getting on there because it's really easy to go into a tailspin um, once you go into social media for a lot of different reasons. So uh, once you got those boundaries and understand, you know, what you're looking for, or what you're trying to do, and then, you know, how to protect yourself. I think, I think it's definitely wise for coaches to be on social media. And then for sure. And that's, that's where all the, the students are hanging out almost uh, 24 seven. So for sure, if we can enter that world and that space, um, be the light, but um, just curious if, if I was a coach there at, at Texas and I had the chance to sit down with you in a, in a mentoring relationship, what would be the number one thing that you would, uh, tell me to be doing to stay strong spiritually, just as there are so many pressures, internal and external, that are warring against coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So besides allowing you to grow in your hospitality in general, ask the coaches, what are you doing to grow in what you know? Like, how are you transferring what you're learning over to your real life. Because if we're not doing that personally, then how are you gonna be able to do that um, with your athletes and with your players? And so for me, it would be saying, hey, what are you doing to train your soul? And so we call it soul training, or I call it soul training based off of um, first or Timothy 4.7, where you're talking about physical training is of some value, um, but training in godliness has value for this life and for the next. And so I'm, I'm always telling, our coaches, you've got to be training your soul. Like, how are you doing? Are you creating spiritual drills for yourself? You know, I'm going to make sure that I read this scripture, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm going to make sure I memorize this scripture. I'm going to make sure that um, I read about gratitude throughout the whole day. I'm going to try and count as many things I can be thankful for. How are you training your soul to continue to grow? Because if it's not real for you, it's not going to be real for those that you're trying to train. How do you train that audience of one, what the true goal is, what success looks like? 
Um, life is way too busy as a coach to not be intentional with what matters. And so that would be the main thing is how are you training your soul and how are you continuing to develop? Because if you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to help other people do it. I love that. I love that. Trying to apply what you're reading in the morning and, you know, let us not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And because there's, like you said, there's so many difficulties as a coach, but uh, what do you see as the, the main uh, challenges, temptations that are specifically attacking coaches? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would probably say frustration and uh, the culture for winning. Um, just the frustration in general of <laughs> you're dealing with uh, kids that don't always want to listen. So <laughs> they're going to hear advice and then go touch the fire anyway. And you just can't deal with that. I mean, because God has literally put us here for that reason. I remember even thinking a little while back, like, I can't be frustrated with the reason that God put me here. Like, there's a reason that you're there. Um, and you can't be frustrated with that. And so I think that's part of it. But I think just um, the culture of winning, where we're in a place where if you don't win, then you don't matter. And how dare you not win? I can fire you. I can get rid of you. And for coaches, while that's important, we can't let that become ultimate. I think that's one of the hardest things to begin to balance that. Like, how do I balance what God has called me to be as a Christian, as a coach, um, with, you know, with the rest of the demands that I have, you know, being a wife or being a husband or being a son, brother, father, I mean, whatever it may be, father, wife, I mean, whatever it is, I've got to figure out, okay, how do I balance all of these different things um, and not just be consumed by what the culture says is the most important with the scoreboard. And I think that's a really big area, very difficult area. I think a lot of coaches really do struggle with that. I know I've struggled with it here in my six years as, as a college tennis coach, just the wins and the scoreboard, but can, can you just talk even even deeper into that on what role does winning play as a for a Christian coach? Yeah, absolutely. I think winning provides the sport that coaches play, which it sounds really weird, but I think of it in terms of an athlete, right? So if you have an athletic kid, when they're athletic, they can pick whatever sport they want to to go and hone their athletic ability. And eventually they pick one sport. And so once they pick that one sport, they've now said, This is how I'm going to uh, measure my talent or continue to grow my talent and my abilities. And for coaches, you know, winning is the metric that we use to say, okay, how am I growing in the field that God has placed me in? And so to me, that's exactly what winning is, is you've chosen this avenue to glorify God. And so as I'm choosing this avenue to glorify God, then winning is going to be part of that, right? So we go into the context saying, all right, God, you put me here. How am I going to pursue this in a godly way that makes you look good? So now we apply all this kind of stuff. And so um, for, for the coach, I mean, winning is the metrics by which you seek to measure um, just your excellence in that sport. But then it's how am I, how am I, how am I continuing to move along with that? Not saying that winning is the only thing, but winning is part of the context that God has put me in. So I'm going to pursue that with everything that I can to be glorifying to him. And so um, winning is important because of where God has put us is just not ultimate. And so I think it's, I think it's honestly, um, a shame to fall on either ditch, right? To say that winning is everything, then now you say that winning is more important than God, and that's all God cares about. But then to go into the contest saying, well, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. It doesn't matter if I lose. Like, I don't care. Well, that's not glorifying to God either, because God didn't put you anywhere to not care. He says, man, go out there and seek to um, seek to maximize all the potential that you have. Seek to maximize the gifts that I've given you to go out there. I think about the parable of the talents, right? When you have the um, five talents, the two talents and the one talent, 
right? He's happy with both the five and the two because they went and doubled up what they got. So he's not mad because one said, uh, I made 10, the other one made, you know, four. He said, no, you both did great. But for the one that didn't do anything with the talent, that's when you get to the punishment. That's when you get to, oh, this is what you actually think about me. And that's where I think winning comes in because winning is using those talents and gifts. Um, whereas if we don't seek that opportunity, then what we're doing is really just saying, well, God, I know you gave me this, but I don't really care. So. And a lot of coaches are going to pour in a, a lot of time and a lot of energy into their, their excellence and to trying to, um, you know, win, win a lot of games. But uh, how do you think a coach could go from the strategies of preparing the X's and the O's to going into the deeper parts of a young person's heart and learning about their, their faith journey? Yeah, man, I'd say parabolize it. I mean, you got to parabolize anything, everything you can. And we do it all the time. We talk about, oh, you're going to be late for class. You can't be late for work. You know what I'm saying? We'll do little things like that. We've got to take those parables so much further. Um, when you're talking about, hey, I got to depend on my teammate to do their job, not try and overreach and do things. Well, in the same way, we got to lean on the body of Christ to do what they've been called to do. We have to know our different gifts and our different abilities. Hey, are you a part of the church? Why or why not? And it's like, well, this church didn't mess with me. Oh, I understand that, right? And that's what the Bible says when it's, well, because I'm not a foot, I'm not a part of the body. And, you know, we can get upset sometimes because the body and how they act and they're not perfect. But just like on this team, when they make a mistake, we walk with them in order to fix that. And so I think it's just parabolizing things so that they can connect their sport with their faith. And then you get those questions and you get those opportunities kind of ask and say, hey, what's going on? How's this working? And, and what's going on from there? You've mentioned your your wife uh, a couple times here as we've been chatting and just uh, wondering, you know, we, we see that it's tough for coaches to maintain a, a strong marriage, but I was just curious if you had any rules or disciplines in your home that you guys use to, to build a stronger relationship with your, your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the most important things that we do is a family meeting. And so every week we have a family meeting. And so Sunday night we'll, you know, go through our week and everything. Got like a little devotional that we're going through together. Um, but we'll also go through our week. We'll just sit there and plan the week. And we say, okay, what do I have going on this week? What do you have going on this week? If it's a busy week, great. We know we're not going to say yes to anything else. We've got to protect our time. If it's an open week, okay, great. We can, you know, do a few other things. Um, if you want to invite somebody over and do dinner with different people and it's just time for us to be on the same page the same schedule so we can see where each other um where we are you know in the schedule of business and you know if we don't do that then you know football here but any sport will just consume as much time as you give it and so they'll fill a space that's allotted and so we make sure to take time for each other um in that family meeting and part of that is you know me asking questions of you know what did i do well this week what did i not do well this week did i spend time according to my priorities how did I love Jordan and my wife? How did I love her this week? How will I next week? I'm trying to be intentional about those things. Um, and then what can I be praying for? And then I'll ask her the same thing. Hey, what can I be praying for you? So that family meeting helps us. I mean, financially, we go through that stuff too. So finance, we go through it. And so we're just trying to make sure we take that time uh, to be good stewards of our relationship, but then our finances, our time and everything that goes with that. But that would probably be um, the biggest thing that we do uh, to make sure that we're on the same page, because I think when we're a team, that's when things start to happen a whole lot more because that's how God set it up. I love that intentionality within your marriage and just for your walk with, with Christ. Um, are there any things that you're intentionally doing on a daily or weekly basis to stay close to him as, as you got a tough job of pouring out into a lot of student athletes and, and coaches there? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely pray and read. Always trying to stay in uh, consistent communication with the Lord. Um, pray without ceasing, right? It may not always be long. It may not always be as much as I'd like to, but trying to pray and trying to stay in the word. I got to continue to get filled up um, with the word of God. And so it's always trying to read. I could be listening to Bible to the word sometimes. I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard of Streetlights Bible? I haven't. Uh, so Streetlights Bible is is awesome. And so basically it's just Bible over beats. <laughs> so okay. uh, they just read the Bible and there's music behind it. So it's great to have in the background. Sometimes they'll be reading through the Psalms or Matthew or Mark or something like that. And just really, really encouraging just to stay in that word of God. Let that be saturated um, in my mind and in my heart. And so doing that. But then there's also something I do is my I have a life on mission statement. And so I break that down to my core purpose in life, my life goal, core principles and core beliefs. Um, but I try to read every single morning as soon as like, when I get in before I start work to make sure that I am focused on, you know, who God is, who he's called me to be and what I'm actually here to do. And so always trying to read that with the scriptures that go with it to, to make sure I'm centered and focused on him. And there was one more question that I had wanted to ask you just about your journey. And can you just take me back to the weeks leading up to your decision to go to Texas? Uh, and how did you know to leave Houston with all, all the relationships there to follow Coach Herman to Texas? Yeah, that was hard. Um, we loved it in Houston. So me and my wife are both from Houston. So our families were there. Um, and she has a bunch of brothers and sisters. And, you know, since then, some have moved, moved on to other places in Texas or um, out of state. So that, that's been a little bit better. But it was really hard for us to make a decision because there are so many good things going on. We saw God moving, had a lot of good relationships. Um, but we prayed, we, we sought counsel. Um, and so at first we were like, mm, we're actually good. <laughs> um, but there's a few things that we knew would be non-negotiable. And so we said, if we're going to make this move, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. Um, like, will I be able to continue to go to work and um, go to worship in church and things on Sunday, you know, cause it can get crazy like that. And it's like, yeah, well, is there a good church we want to find? And so we actually took, um, a little, sneak spy trip up here to kind of check out a few churches and found one that was really good um, that can help build Jordan and I both up, but they could also help us with the ministry God's given us. Um, there were some things that I wanted to do professionally and said, okay, well, does this church provide that opportunity? Um, and they do. And so got to help with our counseling and things like that, which was really, is really important to me. Um, my wife could get really involved in different ministries. And so that was a really big piece. Um, and so once we saw the things that we needed, we kind of got to ask the question, is, is this something that we want? Um, and there are a couple of things we were looking for and we thought that God was you know, moving us towards as we looked around the direction of our life. We're like, man, this could be it. We think this is really good. Um, and so from there, we kind of prayed, saw that opportunity and we, uh, we went and took it. <laughs> uh, I know there's been other times with open doors that we hadn't walked through. There's one that we tried, I tried to walk through and she was like, nah, not happening. And that was one of the biggest really signs that this wasn't a good thing because her and I cannot get on the same page. And so when we can't get on the same page, that's already like a, a red flag to say, all right, we need to kind of step back and look at this. But with this one, we were able to get on the same page, um, saw what we needed, saw some things we wanted. And from there, we uh, we said yes and <laughs> saw what God wanted to do with this. And so we've been thankful to make the move. What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about moving forward? Um... Yeah. There's a lot. I'm looking forward to the rest of my marriage with Jordan because that's going to be awesome. And she's amazing. She makes everything great. Um, but I think um, when it comes to like sport, I'm just really excited about how God has been kind of like moving me, giving me more of a burden for faith and 
really like performance <laughs> um and kind of like what you said with like the with the uh instagram thing starts on called performance piece and i think i'm just really excited about how these worlds are beginning to blend because people want to perform better but then we also see you know mental health being a really big issue right now for athletes and for coaches because of the pressures that they're under the things they go through and i love the fact that as you look at those you look back at okay what's going on how does god's word speak to these things and god's word speaks like really clearly to the things that are helpful to different practices we can use. And even as you look at, you know, sports psychology and things like that, a lot of those are biblical principles just without the Bible. And I'm like, okay, well, we can give people good or we can give them God. And I'm really excited to say, well, let's give them God instead of just good, because then not only are you growing in your performance, but you're also growing in the peace that you have with walking with Christ. And so if I can become a better or not a better, but if I can become um, closer with Christ. If I get closer with Christ, that also impacts my performance. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I help my athletes to see, hey, I know that you're worried right now. I know that you get a little anxious before these games, but let's just sit down and talk about how much God loves you and how that's not going to change regardless of what you do. And let's actually meditate on some of those things, you know? And so as we start to think about some of that and it moves those things away and you just get to work through all this stuff, that's what I get most excited about. Sorry, <laughs> I went a little bit <laughs> it's awesome. deep in there, but that's what I get excited about, man, is just how do we actually do this spiritual training, this soul training, where training in physical is of some value, but training in the eternal, the spiritual has value for this life and the one to come. So why wouldn't I do that? Because that's going to help me on the field, court, pitch, whatever it is. And it's going to help me eternally. So why would I sacrifice one for the other when I can have both by going after Christ? And that's what I'm most excited about, you know, seeing how the Lord will continue to uh, move me in that direction and bring other people along as well. It's so needed. It's so needed. Really, really good. I um, love that perspective. And I uh, just wanted to close with this question of how how can I be praying for you right now? Yeah. Um, honestly, with that one, I would pray for, I'd ask for um, boldness and faith, honestly, uh, to be bold about the things that I know um, God has called and God has said. I mean, because it's always a, a temptation, like, right, well, how do I um, say this or how do I do this? But to be bold about those things, but then have the faith that God's going to do what he wants to do. Um, and so I just said, man, be bold and have faith uh, just so we can continue to go. Um, <laughs> and like we see on social media, man, the thing that I pray for is that I would trust God and work hard. Like that would be, yeah, uh, be it, man. So that bold faith to to trust Him and continue to work for Him. So yeah, let, let me pray right now, King Jesus. We just bow down before you, and we're thankful. Thank you so much, just that we can uh, have this conversation and um, meet a new friend and. Uh, God, I just pray for Kevin right now, God, that you would just give him that boldness, uh, that he'd be bold, bold as a lion, and uh, and that we would just be so uh, thankful to just see how you work, that we'd have the faith um, to, to, to trust you at your word um, and just follow you no matter what you ask. Um, thanks again for this time. I pray that um, through, for the rest of this day that you would just fill us up and go pour us out, that we could... Uh, make a difference in the lives of people that we are going to see and, and speak with. I pray it's all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are so thankful for Kevin to, to spend his time with us and share his insight, his wisdom. Uh, a couple of the key points that I take away from that was 
when I asked him, what does it mean to be a Christian coach? He said to emulate and stimulate Christ. I also appreciate his advice uh, as far as speaking to groups. Number one, just pray, share scripture. The word of God never returns void. He said, know your audience and know where they're at. And, and then um, the use of parables. Yeah, I really like that part, Chad. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to get a message across to our students, student athletes. But whenever you use a fable like your book, Chad, or John Gordon book, or even just stories, you know, oral stories, I think that the students can relate to it. They can make have a mental picture in their heads that helps them understand what we're trying to get across. No doubt. And uh, really, really thankful for him. And if you want to continue to, to learn from him, to grow with him, I think he's a, a coach to the coaches and doing a great job on social media. You can follow him at, at Kev Wash. 630 and he's pretty active on twitter and instagram it's at kev wash 630 this is the end of the christian coach podcast and just remember coach the mission field is right where you're at